Harold, welcome back. Oh, it's a pleasure to hear a voice from Alice Spring, my birthplace. Alice is in the heart of Australia and desert all around. The red soil, the red earth, the red sand hills and the red rock of McDonnell Ranges. I'm a desert man and I'll always remain a desert man and I'm proud of that fact. For those who don't know, you are the creator of the Aboriginal flag and I'm sure you must be very, very proud of the role that you played in that. You were actually awarded copyright of the image some time ago. Proven. I've always had copyright. This is the case that any artist who creates an image that there's their own self-manifestation under common law rights and world rights, you own copyright. That's the fact. And that relates to art, music, drama, theatre, any kind of artistic endeavour that an individual has. The court case proved that I was telling the truth from 1971 and up until 1997 when there was court, the court action. The story about that is that members of ATSIC then, which was a recognised institution created by the government to get people vote in a democratic way for, these individu- for individuals to speak and act on our behalf to the federal government. It was they who had the idea that the Aboriginal flag should be recognised under the flagger. And from that... The federal government accepted that. I think it was under the Keating's regime, not too sure. I objected it vociferously. Who are these people to uh, uh, allow the Aboriginal flag to be blessed under the flag hat when I said, we don't need that. We've never asked that for any symbols we created for 30,000, 40,000 years or more. So that was the the point of my stand. Then I had no choice but to go to court and confirm my copyright that I created it. And I created it for the unification of our people as well. Now, the court made it clear. They posted advertisement to say, are there any other people of interest for the flag, let alone those other false complainants, but any other issues that they may have? No one came forward to say, if Mr. Thomas wins the case or something, that it shouldn't, the copyright shouldn't go to him, or it should go to all black people throughout Australia. Not one group of people came up with that. Not in the government. The government stood back. And the government's view was that they had to wait for the decision and would accept that that decision, right? But no one came forward. Those people on this petition, where were they? Some of those people, were they black at the time when the flag was made? Or were they recent people? See, this is the silly argument about the flag. What I understand is that this grievance by a particular person who claims to be an Aboriginal down south, is one thing, had to go at the company that I had an agreement with. See, under Copyright Act, and I'm known and proved as that, you can exercise that. You can make agreements between companies, manufacturing companies, that you can give agreements for a day. You can give agreements that are non-exclusive. You can get agreements that are exclusive that no one else can produce those Aboriginal flag designs on them. That's the first step. 
that means I can make an agreement with a non-Aboriginal company. I made an agreement with a non-Aboriginal company called Carolyn Richardson on, in the very few months after. The government then had no choice because that's the rules. The government has to get validation of me making an agreement with a company that will make flags of the best quality. It's happened. So the government uh, acquires the Aboriginal flag from a legal organisation that has an agreement with the author of the Aboriginal flag and those flags that the government acquires are spread around throughout Australia to all government agencies. That's the fact. Now, this has been going on for for that long period of time, but the Aboriginal flag's journey is a journey about our identity. And what's special about this flag is a flag not about someone's culture, specifically, or blackness. It's about those Aborigines who are the least of us, those who've lost all their culture, their identity. Identity in the flag affects those who are in their gutter, those who are in the parklands, those who are in and out of jail, and those who live way in the remote community. This gives them a feeling of pride because we're a united group of people. They feel this. You understand? So this latest saga about a company that claims to be Aboriginal, that claims to give funds to some Aboriginal group, is questionable. All this stuff is questionable because the company, Wham, that I have dealings with, who have exclusive rights like Carolyn Richardson, the flag makers, exactly the same. They have exclusive rights to utilise the Aboriginal flag design on garments and other things, right? This person objected to that because they believe that it was a white company. Did they go and ask Carolyn Richardson and condemn them? No, because they don't understand the, the story of the Aboriginal flag. This is central to this. If you're not aware of copyright, if you're not aware of what agreement is, you flounder and you believe someone who's telling a lie. The first lie she said that I sold the Aboriginal flag. Outright lie. And when I spoke to the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs, Mr. Ken, I told him emphatically, it's as simple as that. And he knows I'm not, not that kind of person. I'll never ever will be. Because the flag copyright, I am the custodian. No one's in front of me. I created it. I conceptualize it. I have exclusive rights to that flag. But also my family. They're in the middle of my cultural expression. It's their expression. My family, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my tribes I'm associated, like the Lunacha. That's my grandmother's people, my mother's people, and my people that are in Alice Springs, the Aranda. They, they associate with this, with me, as one of their sons, person born in Alice. My father's heritage is Wombat which is north of Tennant Creek. That's my cultural heritage. And there are those who are surrounding the Wombite 
uh, language tribal groups, that's theirs. This flag is them too. It's my wife's people, the Alawa, the Mangarai people, the west of uh, the Ropa River. This is their identity. They are close to these fl- this flag concept more than anybody. And for these idiots to play this game using media where you can slander people, slander, I mean, slander is the word, and have a go at the designer of the flag with malicious gossip and those who sign in this, this so-called petition, as any of those people who associate or work for the, a grassroots black organisation like the American Legal Service, you know, are they, have they been on the committee and her henchmen's around hanging off her? No, of course they haven't. You come on my journey. You people will shit yourself. When it started, there was nobody. There was only a few who stood up to be counted to be black. Only a few. People like Gary Foley and all those people who were activists at the time. They were nowhere near these people. Was their family? These idiots of a people, where were their family? During the 70s, 80s and 90s. Were they marching for black rights? If you want to go at me, don't be cowards and use the digital way. That's a coward act. And not only this, I spoke to Ken about the disunity, you say. This idea of a petition, to have a go at the design of the flag, it has fractured the unification of a people. It has fractured it. And you know what? That fracture has repercussions if we were to step forward for a treaty. Because we have to be united to get a treaty, not just a handful who are going to speak. It's the whole country of us and the white supporters that want us to have it too. It's an embarrassment, this, this, these groups of people are an embarrassment. So I'm making it clear that the Aboriginal flag, I own these exclusive rights to it. I still own that. I am the custodian. So is my family. So is the tribes I'm like. They are the first peoples. Even though the flag is for those who've lost everything, when people have lost their culture and identity, what can they go to? They go to the Aboriginal flag. See? They use the Aboriginal flag, no matter how fair or blue eyes or black, or black eyes, you're the same people, according to me and according to the Aboriginal flag. Harold, um, just to cover some of these claims, and one of them goes back to art school. There was an assertion made uh, that... Um, you had borrowed this design off a student. Can you just put that right? Well, in the court case, he was a student in 1973. That's answered the question. The flag was done in 1971. If you look in the court details, the evidence show this joker, I could say other words, this joker was at an Aboriginal kind of art environment and I used to teach art, not a, a real art school, but I used to offer my services and do that. 1973. 1972, the flag was made. That the embassy. Get the facts right. Uh, Jeff Clark uh, has made uh, an accusation that um, 
On two occasions, the issue around the copyright of the flag, one was at Bazo's Farm here in Alice Springs at a land council meeting, and the other was when he was the head of ATSIC. He said that money had been paid to you for the ownership of the flag. Can you put that right? No, not for the ownership. Compensation. Compensation. That's all. For using the Aboriginal flag without permission, what? without permission, without respecting it. And they knew it. All those people knew it. Because I won the court case, well, they had to compensate me. They compensated me. End mm. of story. You've you got to get the facts right. We, they did not buy the rights of the Aboriginal flag. That is an outright lie. Jeff should know better than that. He wants to do his homework. It was compensation for the use of the Aboriginal flag without my permission. The meeting at Bazos, again, he said there was some sort of a verbal agreement about usage of the flag. Can you correct that if it's wrong? Something said. you got halfway questions here. Something was said. But I presume he's saying to you now, or you're digging up the past yourself. See, in the old days, if blacks have grievances with one another, you don't go to the press. They go to social media. Gutless. Your connection to this flag from a cultural perspective, what it means to you and your family. How does that relate to Australia as a nation? Can we just revisit that? What is your hope for the flag going into the future? Well, my hope, I know, because I'm confident my people see the truth in this. The fact is that these sort of people getting a lie and a half lie and all these sorts of things. And unfortunately, if those people have an opinion, they want to check the facts. Instead of blindly listening to someone who's there on an emotional kick, who's there to promote her business, then you'll always mess yourself up. And, and it's a wrong thing for Aboriginals to go and uh, be on a petition when they don't know all the facts and who's leading this charge. Where does this information go to? Uh, just, just ludicrous. But I tell you, the, uh, the Aboriginal flag will endure Long after me, it will endure long after my great-grandchildren. People will carry on with stuff like this, but the, the design and the concept is right for our people. The, and it's for the unification. We've had a little bit of trouble now. It's a fracture. It's a hair fracture. But those who sign the petition must wake up to themselves. The flag is someone's creation. One of your mob, right? We, we believe passionately for justice and rights for our people when we had nothing. Must remember, in 1971, the Aboriginal flag was created by myself. The Aboriginal Medical and Legal Service were created, created two months later. So that triad of our own institution is fixed. The, the services go hand in hand with the Aboriginal flag. They have been the uh, focal point where the Aboriginal flag was used first and remains with them. They, they have a political consciousness about it because it was the political aspect of the flag is to stand up and be counted, be proud of who you are, and don't shirk away. Be strong Aboriginal men and women. You know? That's basically what's happened. So 
We've created three institutions. We've had Department of Affairs, we've had the Congress, we've had ATSEC, we've had these so-called advisors coming and go. But what remains steady, steady, is the Aboriginal flag, legal aid, Aboriginal legal aid, and Aboriginal, Aboriginal medical service. These are there. They've outshone every institution created by the government or other Aboriginals who try to create things. This is the point of this story. You cannot see Aboriginal flag in isolation doing its job. You know, it's giving them that thing which they have always wanted, that unification. The flag does that. Again, just to dispel fears and gossip and innuendo about use of the flag. The language is important here. It says, and in this case, an exclusive agreement. That means, I say, you can have this agreement to utilise the Aboriginal flag for the following, which could be T-shirts, which could be socks or whatever. Whatever I feel is I'm comfortable about, right? We have that. That's the way it is, and they respect that. If they said they want something else in the agreement, I say no. You have an exclusive agreement that means you can make these products and sell it, right? Preferably in Australia. See, the agreement with with um, Karen Richardson is exclusive to that company and all their products are made in Australia, okay? Made in Australia. From time to time, garments and clothing come from overseas during that long period when I had no control. And where were the blacks in this case? They were buying it off non-Aboriginal companies who were making the profit. Let's talk about this profit business. Since 1971 up until 1997, millions of dollars have gone to whites, not black people. Black, black people are, are giving their money to these people who didn't have a legitimate claim right to manufacture the Aboriginal flag in any shape or form. But I didn't see any back saying, oh, you've got, you, you cannot do that uh, product there. You don't have a license for it. You have to get it off the right person. Not one of these people who probably signed that agreement ever, ever done that. And they probably, those people have bought illegal items off these uh, non-Aboriginal companies since 1971 to 1997. You go, you tell that story to them. What's, what's their answer? No, damn cowards. It was I who stood up for the flag. That's the point. I stood up for the flag against being recognised under the flag act. Not one of these people came with me. Hey, brother, I'm bes beside you. The only one was Gary Foley because he was witness to the design of the flag. He sh I showed him clearly on that day that I, and I made. But you must remember these things when you ask the question that I gave. It's a contractual arrangement under law that you make an agreement. You can make an agreement for one day, two days, or a week, or for a number set of garments. Then that's called a non-exclusive agreement. Then they go away. But those who want an exclusive one, pay for it. Doesn't come free to them. They've got to pay. And as a consequence, they do the right job. I get a royalty uh, uh, fee on it. 
That's normal when you own copyright. That is a normal factor. If you, if you sell things, like CDs, you sell anything, you get a royalty. And generally, they're not great royalties. They are marginal and less than marginal. With the agreement that you've made with the clothing company, under Australian law, they are quite in their right to say no one else can use the Aboriginal flag logo on clothing. That's a fact. There's clothing that's specific. It's the way it is, the business, the way it is. And what it is, there are Aboriginal organisations out there that engage with uh, WAM clothing and they're happy to go along with it. More of them than one person that's carrying on. There are there's about a hundred Aboriginal companies out there, the small ones, that said we cooperate, right? And they've done it whilst this was happening. Whilst this was happening, Wham had notified people, uh, would you like to uh, be engaged with an agreement? to keep selling those products, and there's a, an agreement of uh, respect of royalty. You get that? That's been happening by a number of Aboriginal companies. Harold, the company has challenged both the AFL and NRL about use of the flag during the Indigenous round. Where do you sit well, with I, that? I can't comment on that because that's an ongoing discussion. What goes with this is you have to have information and you must be clear with facts and figures. You've got to get them right. And you have to articulate, articulate properly that makes sense. Not yell and scream and carry on and play this role. I'm the victim like this person. So she's playing the card of a victim. And that's gone. That is gone. This victim mentality will grown. I mean, the flag will be 50 years in a couple of years, 50 years. And what good it has done during that is immeasurable. People have passed on and placed it over the coffin, just and in their houses. You can't believe how deep it matters to the psychic of our people, how deep it is. Mm. And what that girl has done has harmed that. And people who feel really close to the flag has reacted on misinformation, lies. That's all. That's regarding that. And those people, look, put it this way, no medical, legal companies, Aboriginal, have come forward and supported this person. No major black Aboriginals, you know, in the last 50, have come forward and follow this person. All these smart people out there haven't come with this. It's just a few people who've got misinformation that's following a lie, an absolute lie, and discrediting and fracturing the unity of Aboriginal people. What we want is to move on from this and get our eyes focused on what NADOC is doing. It's about the treaty. We need all our efforts, everyone, even those that signed, foolish people as they are, you have to... Move on, because there's a bigger picture here. It's a unification. It's a unification before we can get to that treaty. Because every one of us matters. The least, the meek of us, those in the park, 
and those in Arnhem those at Anangul country, those at Redfern and La Perouse, you know, were all relevant. And that flag is there for that. I think it's significant that people understand the role that you played back in the 70s in the Aboriginal movement. And you've mentioned the name Gary Foley. I mean, Gary is still acknowledged as one who played a vital role in Aboriginal rights in this country. I'd suggest that you're right up there with him. Well, I don't want to claim anything or position myself anything, but uh, it's it's a strength of character of my brother Gary, and I have strength of character, and we believed as young men, we've just got to get on with our lives and deal with issues, political issues, in different parts of this country. He's a, a Sydney guy from the east. He's a Koori. At that time, I was, I was regarding myself as a Nanga because I lived in Adelaide. But I know we all uh, get back to our roots proper, and I said, well, I'm a literature man and a Wambai man, and my wife and family are all connected with that. But there was a very few of us, and there were wonderful people at the Tent Embassy. That the talk was really what a young black activist was saying in the past, but it's historical now. I'm talking about historical, but that's how our minds were, the Foley's and us. And we're all weaving and saying our stories, and but my family had found a place where it should go, the first story at the place where I was born. And that's all I have to say.